in your Bibles to the book of Romans to chapter 5. The book of Romans and in chapter 5, I'd like for us to read verses 1 through verse 11. Our subject is our confidence in Jesus Christ. You could also say our confidence in God the Father, our confidence in the Holy Spirit of God, for they are all one. Our confidence is in Him. But keeping that thought in mind, we read in Romans 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Again, our subject is our confidence in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you want to look there, you could, but in, on page 37 of our hymnal is a hymn, My Hope is in the Lord. My Hope is in the Lord. You know that biblical word hope is not wishful thinking, but rather it is a confidence, a firm confidence and expectation based upon the Word of God, not upon our feelings nor speculation, but biblical hope is an expectation based upon the Word of God. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sins. At Calvary. Verse 3 of that hymn has these words, And now for me he stands. Brother Justice, this was your Bible study this morning. Now for me he stands before the Father's throne. He shows his wounded hands and names me as his own. 
our hope is in the Lord. And not only for our initial experience of salvation, but he is our sustainer, our deliverer, our strength, even as we live in this present evil world. We depend upon Jesus. You might hold your place here. I'm going to read one verse in 2 Corinthians and in chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians and in chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. One of the reasons that we have trust in the Lord during our lifetime is because what he's already done for us. He's already given himself for us, sacrificed himself for us. He has already delivered us from the wrath that is yet to come. And therefore, we believe and we trust, we have confidence in him that he will deliver us now, and yet he will deliver us in the future. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we trust him more and more. You might remember throughout the Old Testament, Israel was reminded of all that God had done for them in the past, and they were reminded of that for, to teach them confidence. If God has done all of this for you in the past, he is not going to forsake you now. Our trust is so often based upon what has already occurred in our lifetime. Look also, if you would, in the book of Philippians and in chapter 1. Philippians and in chapter 1, it speaks of confidence. Confidence. Confidence in each person of the Godhead. <clears throat> Philippians 1 and in verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. Now don't just read over that. This very thing. There are many things that we might be confident because of, but here the Holy Spirit points this thing out unto us. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, the Lord is not going to quit. He's not going to quit. If he has begun a good work in you, he will continue to perform that work to the end of the age until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Again, verse 6, being confident of this very thing. The book of Hebrews, 
and in chapter 10. Hebrews and in chapter 10 is a verse that we all need to read and take to heart. I mean, we really need to take this to heart. We read Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Well, note this in Hebrews 10 and in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. That is followed by the words in verse 36, For ye have need of patience. There's not a person in this building that does not stand in need of patience. Biblical patience. Ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Again, here is our great need. You have need of patience. The biblical definition of this word that's translated here, patience, means endurance. You have need of endurance. But the word goes even further than that. It also means you have need of cheerful endurance. There's a big difference in having cheerful endurance and just enduring something. He's speaking here about persistence, a continuance, a perseverance. Again, verse 35, don't cast it away. You have need of patience. Go with me to Romans in chapter 2. Romans and in chapter 2 and in verse 6 and in verse 7. Romans 2 and in verse 6, speaking of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Patience, continuance. Patience, continuance. I'm going from there to the book of Luke in chapter 8. Luke and in chapter 8, Jesus had given the parable of the sower that went forth to sow his seed. Then he gives the explanation of it. In Luke chapter 8 and in verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. 
Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a little while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. With patience. Back to the book of Hebrews again in chapter 12 and in verse 1. Hebrews 12 and in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, enduring the race that is set before us. Endurance is emphasized here. I'm going back to chapter 10 of Hebrews. I'm going to read verse 35 and verse 36 once again. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the, the reward. Too many saints are guilty of casting away their confidence. Have you ever just considered that fact? There was a lady sitting in my office this week and she said, Brother Lee, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, why is it? If God has forgiven us of all of our sins, and he has promised never to remember them again, why do we keep bringing them up? It's a good question. Why do we keep bringing them up? Have you noticed that we're all guilty of that? It seems as if there are some who live life as if they believe that the Lord had saved them, but yet then just forsook them, left them alone. Again, too many times, we bring up sins, maybe just to ourselves, in our mind and in our thoughts. We think about, well, I did this, I did that years ago. Well, if God will never bring them up again, why do we? 
do we condemn ourselves when God will not condemn us? We ought to live lives as forgiven individuals. As I mentioned this morning, that cloud's been blotted out. God's blotted out. It does not exist anymore. Why would we go back into our personal history and bring up things and charge ourselves when God will not charge? It's a fault that we ought to consider. Romans chapter 5. Confidence in the Lord. Romans 5 and in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I want us to consider that statement. If Christ truly died for you, what were you by nature? Ungodly. Ungodly. I consider, first of all, there was no one else for Christ to die for but the ungodly. Who else would he have died for? There's no one else stood in need of someone dying for them. Just the ungodly. And that's where we fit by nature, ungodly. If you back up to chapter 3 in Romans and in verse 11 and in verse 12, Apostle makes it very clear here, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You might notice that little word all in this and also the word none. There's none that understandeth. There's none, not even one, that seeketh after God. That kills Arminian doctrine in and of itself. They are all gone out of the way. The next statement lumps us all together. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, not one. If Christ was going to die for anyone, it must be the ungodly. And just consider what Jesus Christ has done. He not only died for the ungodly, he died the death of the ungodly. By that I mean he died the death that was due unto us in our ungodly state. He died the death of the 
be ungodly. And it goes far beyond just being nailed to the tree. It certainly goes into that three hours of darkness. And the wrath of God was unleashed upon him. Truly he did die for the ungodly, but God unleashed the sword of his divine justice upon Jesus Christ. He suffered the death of the ungodly. We're told that he did bear our sins in his own body on the tree. By his stripes we are, are healed. There's so much in that statement that Christ died for the ungodly. Here's where I want us to consider. If Jesus Christ has done so much for us, what reason would we ever have to doubt him during our lifetime? What reason would we ever have to doubt his presence, his preservation, his comfort, his strength, what reason could we possibly have to ever live defeated lives and doubt our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ dying in my stead, paying my wages of sin, is actually my guarantee that in this life he'll never leave me, never forsake me, He'll always be there for my sake and, and for my good. Christ died for me. Romans chapter 5 and in verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith. Again, confidence in Jesus Christ. Would it ever be possible for any person of the Godhead ever to forsake one who stands justified before God? Justification is a declarative act of God. We're declared justified. And it is not possible for any person of the Godhead to ever forsake one whom God has justified. Notice in verse 2 of Romans 5, if you would, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Think of our position by grace. Think of our position now as we live in this lifetime. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have access by faith, in verse 2, into this grace wherein we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I mention this quite often. There's just 
There's so many phrases in the Bible we just read over and we don't really meditate upon. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you remember what the apostle told us in the book of Ephesians? What we were by nature and what was our condition by nature, we had no hope. We were without hope. We don't even know what that means. We were without hope. We had no hope. Well, look where we are now. In Romans 5 and in verse 2, now we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope in the glory of God. I'll say again, if this has been done to us and for us, is it even a remote possibility that any person of the Godhead would ever leave us alone or forsake us? Does it not give us strong confidence that the one who has begun this good work in us, he will perform it and continue it all the way through? It's so easy to get discouraged in this lifetime and, and sometimes we may feel like it's stated in the scripture that no man cares for my soul. Have you ever felt that way? Nobody cares. But there's one that cares. He'll always care. He'll always be there through Jesus Christ. We have been given this good hope through grace. In Romans in chapter 5, again in verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Without strength. It means just without any ability. We don't, we're not speaking about muscular strength here. Because of our sin through the fall of Adam and we are guilty by nature, we were born into this world and we did not even have the strength to even hear the gospel. We could hear the words but it would not penetrate to the heart. No strength to hear the gospel. We did not have the ability to believe the gospel. We hear maybe someone say we are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't know what they were saying. It, didn't, it just didn't register with us. We didn't have the strength of perception and understanding. We certainly did not have the, the strength to repent. We had no strength to do anything Godward 
except rebel. It's all we had ability to do is just rebel against God. But in verse 6, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Let me point this out in verse 6 in due time. Jesus Christ is always on time. Never early, never late. The fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. In due time, Christ died on time. Died for the ungodly. And I'll also mention in relation to that, it was in due time that the Holy Spirit of God quickened you as you were dead in trespasses and in sins. It was God's appointed time when the Holy Spirit of God gave you life. Whatever time it was in your life, for some it's early, for some it's later in life, but there is an appointed time. Even for Saul of Tarsus, it was his time, even as he was making havoc of the church, on his way to slaughter saints, on that Damascus road, all of a sudden, Saul, it's your time. And nothing could stop it. Nothing could stop it. It was his time. God does everything on time. Whenever it was that the Lord saved you, it was a predestined and predetermined time. Time for you to believe the gospel. Time for you to finally, finally hear it. Hear it. You know, we read in the scripture about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That word that's translated believe means fully trust. All of a sudden, you were changed from an unbeliever who had no trust in Jesus Christ to a believer who fully trusted Jesus Christ. And I'll mention again, if the Lord has made such a transformation in your life and he's done that, you look back in your past, you see what a great act of grace that was. It was no merit, no worth in me or nor you, but God just did it. The sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God, John 6 and verse 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the Spirit that gives life, the flesh profiteth nothing. Just all of a sudden one day, the Spirit, it's time. It's time. It was my time. It was your time if you're saved. We are not randomly saved nor saved by chance, but on time and on purpose. And again, if this has happened unto us, if God's done this for us, what confidence we ought to 
ought to have, he's not going to forsake us now. No matter what the trouble of life may be, no matter what problems we have, no matter what obstacles are in the road ahead of us, we don't have to travel it alone. He's not going to leave us. It's one of the greatest promises of all the Word of God. I will never do that. Have you ever told somebody, I'll never do that? Well, it means a lot more when the Lord says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forget you. In verse 3 and verse 4 of Romans 5, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. What about that? We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, that word again. And patience, experience, and experience hope. Where does hope come from? Well, it's in that line right there. Hope maketh not ashamed. You know, that's one of the great things concerning confidence as we live in this life, as we have committed everything to the Lord and we fully trust in Him, He will never cause us to be ashamed of our trust in Him, meaning He'll never let us down. We tell the world, I trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I have faith in God. Well, I can say that knowing God can never break a promise. I know that Jesus Christ will supply my every need and I'll never be disappointed nor ashamed. What if we say we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and all of a sudden he did forsake us, he did not keep his word, well, we'd, we'd be ashamed. Not only disappointed to all those that we said we were a Christian, we believe in Christ, we would be put to shame. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Our confidence is in the Lord. Verse 5 again. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. If the Holy Spirit was given unto me and unto you, well, it means we did not have it to begin with. But now, through the grace of God, the merits of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God hath been given unto us. Can God the Father or can Jesus Christ ever forsake one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? 
any impossible. Any impossible. Trust in the Lord. The Bible says in verse 3, we glory in tribulation. Do we? Have you ever just thought about that, do we? You know, there's something about tribulations. We often quote Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called. All things in your health, all things in your life, all troubles. You mean all these things? You know, if we really believe that verse, and if it's really true, we would have to believe that, that God will leave us in that tribulation. He will leave us in that trouble as long as as it works together for our good, then he'll bring us out. He won't leave us there if it's not working together for our good. Because all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do we have confidence? Do we have confidence in God? We want out of tribulation as quickly as possible. And that's just our nature. It's true with all of us. But the Bible tells us here that this tribulation in verse 3 worketh this endurance, patience. It's working together for our good. And again, I'll say God will leave us in whatever tribulation, whatever trouble it is as long as it's working together for our good, then he'll get us out of it. Trust in the Lord. Never doubt the Lord. Again, if we believe on him, truly believe on him, we'll know, we won't doubt him. We won't doubt him, no matter what comes. 